0: but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. God, I pray for our time this morning, that you would bless it, that you would, um, by your spirit, do the work on our hearts and in and, and our minds to, to change us, to transform us by your spirit to uh, make us look a little more like Jesus today. It's only a work that you can do. It's only um, any of that is only a work that you do, God. So we pray that you would be here with us and to help us do this. And for me, if there is anything that I speak that is not of you, God, I pray that you would help us to all forget it. Would you lift up your name? Would you lift up Jesus Christ above anyone else here, God? Above my own self, above anyone else in this room? Would you just make yourself known? Would you remove any distraction, any stress, any um, heartache or break that we currently have and just let us focus on your word to, to be refreshed by it, God? Would you please help us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage is a help for all of us. It's a simple yet profoundly strong call to love one another. Paul, he writes about just all of the spiritual gifts, he kind of lays it out, Um, here are these things, and he he even says, these are amazing things to desire, and it is is a good thing to desire these spiritual gifts, and then at the end of his description, uh, he says, which one of those gifts includes the gift of faith, Um, at the end of that, Paul says, but I will show you a still more excellent way. So out of all these spiritual gifts, there is a more excellent way than any of those. What is that? Without love, we are nothing and we gain nothing. Love is the more excellent way. This is why God spends time here explaining to us that we have been shown this great love and because of that love, we're to show a great love. The text is structured in a really cool way. It begins with why we love, and then in the middle it's how we love, and then at the end again it's, it's another question of why, um, why we love yet again. So it's a cool love sandwich. Um, but in these three, the why, the how, and the why again, we find our more excellent way. We find out how to love. So let's take a look at the first one. If you look at verse 22 again. Why love? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere, brotherly love. So why are you and I to love one another? Because we have had our souls purified for this kind of work. This means before, like at some point in our lives, if we are believers in the room, we were unpurified or we were unclean. This is you and I in our sin. Romans 5 verse 2 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And the sin covers us like we just fell into a tar pit. Jesus describes sin in this way in Mark 7. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. We need to be purified from this inner evil because in this evil in our, and in our tarred up state of our sin we have zero access to the father we have no chance of having any access to the father sin is our way really of trying to get back to the garden where the, we, there was a perfect relationship there was this um, unity and harmony and sin is our way of like well maybe if I try this way or try this way or try this way but all of it is, is futile because it's not going to work. There's only one thing that does purify us, there is only one thing that will, obedience to the truth. So what is this? Ephesians 1:13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, taking on the sin of man, of you and me, all of our sin from past, present, and all of the, the sins of humanity ever. And on the cross, Jesus gave his perfection, his purifiedness, if you will, and he took on the sin. He took on that tarness, if you will, put it to death forever. Forever and the perfection and the purifiedness was substituted and given to you and I. The good news does nothing, however, without our obedience to it, and our obedience is simple, to hear and believe the truth, to hear and believe the gospel. We are purified, we are made clean, we are given unfettered access to the Father, yet again, all through the belief in the Son, by the obedience, believing in, truth, believing in the truth of the gospel. So why are we to love? Going back to our question. Because we have been loved by a capital L love that gave his life for us. Jesus willingly laid down his life for those who would believe. No love is greater than this who would, who would lay down his life for his friends. We have been loved, that's why we love, and that's really the truth of Christianity. The only way in is to admit, yeah, I am sinful, and I am in need of a Savior, and to believe in the Savior's work on the cross, the substitutionary atonement on our behalf. But God didn't bring people into the kingdom and say, all right, see you guys later, you figure it out. Salvation is never alone. In fact, purification in the Greek in the Greek language um, is a present active participle which means it's a past completed action with present effect. So a sincere faith then produces something. We are purified from dead works for this more excellent way in love. So our question then becomes how? We answer why? Because Jesus has laid down his life for us in the ultimate act of love so our question then is how? If you look at verse 22 again. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, love. The Greek word agape. I'm sure you guys have heard of it or seen, uh, you know, the girls' tattoos, all that. Um, but it speaks of an unconditionally sacrificial love. It desires the best for the person, whether they deserve it or not. Whether or not we feel like giving it or not. It's not a matter of how one feels. Feelings can be deceiving and can emanate from our fallen flesh nature. So the active voice in the Greek word uh, indicates that each believer must decide in his or her mind to carry out this love. It's a decision of our will. We act based on truth. We don't react based on our feelings. Tim Keller, he says, I'm way more loving to my wife when I don't want to be loving to my wife, and I still am, than when I want to be loving to my wife, and I'm loving to my wife That's very confusing, but if you think about it for a while, it makes a lot of sense. It's an act. We act. It's a decision of our will. We show love to others when we treat them the same way as God loves us. God forgives us, so we forgive others. God is kind to us, so we are kind to others. It's not a matter of feeling, but of willing. And this is something we must constantly work at. So love who? One another, which is to say everyone. No exception. There's, no, there's nothing in the Greek text that shows that um, this was for a specific person. It's a everyone. Everyone is accompanied, accompanied in the love one another. But it also has a sense of mutuality. Love one another. You cannot love others outside of the context of being loved by others. If you feel a longing sense of wanting to be with other people, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to love and to be loved. God exists in in community, the Trinity. Like, If God had community, we obviously need it. We cannot do it alone. So love in what way? Earnestly, from a pure heart, or in other words, uh, this new heart that we have been given as we have been reborn and brought from death to life as believers, earnestly means stretching out. Like, like an Olympian stretching at that last final second before the race is over, he's stretching out. So it is, that's hard work. The literal translation is an intense strain that is unceasing. An intense strain that is unceasing. Stretched out and extended to the limit is the idea. This means it's gonna be hard work to love. Love. Nothing is more difficult than to love our neighbors with a pure heart by nature. All of us are selfish and it therefore takes a work of grace to supernaturally give believers the selfless, sacrificial kind of love that God displays to undeserving sinners. But since he has shown us that love, we now love each other earnestly. And it makes sense why it's hard because we know ourselves. We know that we would be hard to love. Gosh, there are so many times where I'm like, man, Leah, why are you marrying me? Like, why do... I'm so sorry that you had to do this. It's a stretch, but it's a more excellent way. It's a stretch to leave the couch when your spouse asks you to do something, but you better believe it's more excellent. It's a stretch to help out that one guy move again, but it's a more excellent way to help a brother through a stressful transition. It's a stretch to show up to to church sometimes, but when we are built up by someone, or better yet, we build someone else up, it's a more excellent way. It's a stretch to walk across the driveway to go say hi to that neighbor who maybe talks a lot or maybe just isn't a good neighbor at all. To go to, this, to go to serve the homeless in Dallas. To teach a refugee English. To shift your entire life to make it revolved around others. It is a stretch for us to learn about other cultures so that we no longer fear them. It's a stretch for us to love our lesbian friend or our gay friend by inviting them over for dinner. It's a stretch to go out to eat with our friend who, man, he's still in a gang. It's a stretch to spend time talking with our mentally ill friend. In any case, the all-encompassing one another, any case, it's gonna be difficult. If, even if you think of like, man, that's a really solid person, just wait a minute. It's gonna be hard to love that person. It's a stretch to act in love in any sort of way, but it is a more excellent way. Without love, we have nothing and we are nothing. With everyone we come into any sort of contact with, just ask this question. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 13, but love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Do you love others like this? Do you sacrificially and unconditionally love others? Who is God placing in your mind right now that you can show this love to there won't be any good reason for it. That's a condition. There was no good reason that God loved you and I. It's to show grace and love that we have been shown. And lastly, as if the text wasn't already very clear on this more excellent way, God comes back to the question of why if you look at verse 23. Since, so here's just answering this question, why? Well, since you have been born again, Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this was the good news that was preached to you. Why are we to love one another earnestly? Because we have been purified by God for this exact work. But then the text gives us another answer, another reason, which is the gospel yet again, that we have been born again through the word of God. Why? Because sometimes we know the truth of the gospel, and we get to the task at hand in our new lives, and and in our flesh, man, it seems impossible. Because our flesh, in our flesh, it is impossible. But the text reminds us, no, listen, you are no longer in that flesh, you are made new. You have been born again to a new life in the resurrection of Jesus for new works, so it starts with the gospel, that's the reason for why we love, and then it says how we love, and here's the, here's the how, do it earnestly, it's a stretch, it's gonna be hard, and then why again, because in the midst of loving others, it's going to be very hard, and we're gonna forget, like, ah, why are we doing this? The gospel is the reason why, yet again. We are no longer in that body of flesh, we've been born again to new life. Because of the indwelling Spirit in that new life within us, believers, we now have a supernatural power that supersedes our natural power and stands us up firm. The point found um, in the reference, so this the paragraphed, not paragraphed, parenthetical, the quoted section, if you will, um, it's from Isaiah, but it says all flesh is like grass. Literally, the power of the flesh withers away with the wind and so the glory that the flesh does give there is some it will also fly away with the wind but, but the word of the Lord the same word of the Lord by which you were reborn it abides and lives forever so you and I we now have a, a forever kind of power a forever kind of strength a forever glory secured for us in one man Jesus Christ and it's really kind of crazy so the, this is quoted from Isaiah 40, verse 8. And then Isaiah 40, verse 9 says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arms rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. We love not because we are seeking to be loved. We love because we are loved by such a savior as this. And this savior, this word of God, this Jesus Christ endures forever. The power that we have in our own selves to love other people, there's some there. It's all reactive mostly. But the, the literal act, when they don't deserve it, when we don't feel like doing it, that kind of love comes from only one place. This is the truth of the gospel that you and I literally have to sandwich all of our actions in. We start with the gospel for why, here's the how, here's our action, here's what we're gonna do, and then we finish it off with more gospel so that we are not built up in pride of like, oh yeah, I did it. We have nothing to boast in. There is no godly action, there is no earnest love without being snugly secured in the truth of the gospel. But since we are, not on the basis of our own strength that withers away, but on the strength of the one who lives forever, now we can love. Now when that person, that neighbor, that friend, that spouse, whatever the case, when they don't deserve it, we can show them love. When we don't feel like doing it, we can show them love when the world looks at a situation that we are in and we are still showing a person love, it should baffle them because it makes no sense. There are no reasons for it. That's what unconditionally means. We love because he loved us first. That's the only equation that adds up here. And so since we have been loved by this truth, by this capital L love, by this savior, we have a power to love our neighbor. Just think about one day when we're living and growing in our new and perfected bodies. And I still, I'm not sure how our perfected bodies are going to grow, but they are. Our minds are going to grow even though they're perfect. And we're digging in the weedless grass to plant these, um, these flowers that aren't going to fall or wither away. We can look across the perfect, no potholes road and see people, human beings with souls that are purified just like you and me. And at that moment, it's no longer going to be a stretch to love them. And we will have full and complete understanding of the love that Christ showed us and helped helped us to show each other, and we will be living in the more excellent way one day. But it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ. It is only by obedience, by hearing and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we turn to the tables for the Lord's Supper, we do this as a picture of this one day, one day when we all are perfected as believers and we're sitting around the table, right across the table from, man, it was kind of hard to love you that one time, not anymore, but look at us now. Where the battle is over And it's no longer a stretch to love because we are in the presence of perfect love and we are being loved by that love forever. And we'll be sitting at the table with him too. We do this now as a reminder of the gospel truth. That this body and blood of Jesus were broken and spilled for you and me. The symbols of the bread and the juice represent everything that was given for you and I to have a place at this table. If you're a believer and follower of Jesus, then you're welcome to the table. But if you're not yet a believer, or if you're in any unrepentant sin, I ask that you would remain in your seat on the basis of 1 Corinthians that says you would eat and drink in an unworthy manner. If you're unrepentant, this love is still yours. Turn to it again by the power of the Spirit in you and repent during this time. If you're not yet a believer, you have the single greatest act of love ever shown right before your eyes. Do not leave today without securing this love as your own. Turn from your sin and believe in Jesus today. And we don't say that so that you could appeal to you know, whatever board or, or look like you're doing a great job, have this holiness about you, We just want you at the table. For all of us, here's our prayer. Father, we confess that because of our sin, we need this body and this blood to be able to see you. Would you, by your grace, remind us of the work and love of Jesus for us, that we may love others in that power. In Jesus' name. single greatest act of love in history was centuries ago on a wooden cross outside the temple walls. An innocent man gave his life up for you and for me. For us to love it all only comes when we have this love. and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Because as much as we want to be uh, close to that, as much as we want to know that with all of our hearts, God, we we do have a sinful flesh. And so we are much more acquainted with that side of things. And we, we feel sometimes just that it is impossible to love, especially in the way that you have called us to. so would you by your spirit give us the strength to do it? Not so that we look amazing, not so that we have some sort of checklist that, oh, I loved this person, but the people could see the greatest act of love in us. That more people would be around that table with us. That more people could be lifting up your name The whole reason we're a church is to lift you up, God. Would you help us simply to have love as who we are, this kind of love, the earnestly, the stretching out. Would you stretch us for us, God? That we may glorify you, that when people see it, we can point them to the only way we are to love, and that's through the gospel. Would you help us, God? By your spirit and in all of it we thank you we thank you for the gift the free gift of righteousness of perfection of of access to the father that we did not have in our sin would you help us to praise your name for the love that you have shown us that was absolutely undeserved